Warning, Geeking Toyetic is a show aimed at the adult collector and as such features adult language and humor that is not appropriate for younger audiences. Viewer discretion advised. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to an episode of Geeking Toyetic. Man, it has been it's it's been a while since I've done a Toyetic episode. I am happy to be here. As you can see, I've got all my toys behind me. For those that are gonna listen to this later or watch this later, if you don't know who I am, I'm your host, Larry Roberts, and I am the resident toy uh, fanatic in uh, this part of the woods here at Geeking Poetic Podcast. So, <laughs> Apprentice Alex, he says, hello, 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 is there anybody in there? Hey there. Okay, maybe, can I don't know if Alex can hear me or not. Let me know if you guys are having any issues with hearing me or if there's any kind of echo or anything like that, because I will fix it if so. But... <clears throat> In the meantime, what I'm here to do is I have for a while now, I've been gathering up some uh, viewer questions that have to do with the toy collecting hobby. Um, man, there's a lot to go over. I got a lot of great questions. I was kind of bugging a bunch of you guys in the uh, in the Geeking Squad group on Facebook, which is our official group where we handle all geeking poetic stuff. I was asking you guys for a while to submit questions, and I got a lot of them. I also got some questions that were given to me um, outside of the group through conversations I had with other people, uh, people that private messaged me uh, to talk about toys because that's what nerds like me do <laughs> is we talk about uh, talk about toys and everything. Uh, Alex says, here you find just had to make a Pink Floyd reference. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wrong show, Alex. This is we're not. This is not the Pink Floyd episode. We'll. I will be talking about Pink Floyd in the future. That's for. That's for damn sure. Uh, when we get into our music and vinyl talk, which man, I'm eager to do that soon too. I. I know a bunch of you guys tuned in for uh, the last thing I did when I talked about the records of 1973. That was a lot of fun, and I'm going to be doing more music talk soon. But uh, yeah, it's it's long overdue for me to talk uh, some toyetic stuff I love doing the toyetic I've always wanted to do this more frequently and it's it's just difficult we've got so much to tackle but tonight seemed to work out really well because uh, I'm on my own basically uh, I've got Megan that's going to be helping out and handling the chat room and stuff and uh, hopefully Matt's going to be in the chat and uh, you know we're going to have all of us involved in one way or another, but I'll be the only uh, ugly mug you're going to be looking at on camera tonight. So you're stuck with me <laughs> anyway. So uh, without further ado, I just thought it would be fun to talk about toy collecting. I, I get questions about it all the time. And uh, 
I thought it was time to gather some up and address them. And by all means, for those of you who are in the uh, live stream chat with me right now, uh, I'm totally happy to answer your questions if you throw them out at me now. And uh, I'll, I'll try to get to them in between these other questions that I already have picked out. So... Uh, I know I'm going to take forever because I am very long winded <laughs> and I, as you can tell by this long ass intro, uh, so I'm just going to jump right into it and start addressing these. So here we go. Question number one that I have, and sorry, I don't have the names. Uh, if, if any of you in the chat are the ones that asked me these questions, I didn't put a name to them. So you feel free to shout out in the chat and say, I asked that and, uh, you know, claim your your right to uh, your rightful place there. Anyway, the first question is, what is your most prized toy that you own and what is your holy grail? Now, for those that may not be familiar with what holy grail means in this uh, instance, holy grail is usually uh, a collectible item that is like the one that is always just a little bit out of reach and that you don't att you haven't attained yet. You don't own yet. Um I will address the Holy Grail first. Uh, man, I don't have, I don't think I have one Holy Grail. I think that there are certain ones that I really, really, really want more than others. But gosh, trying to think of what a Holy Grail would be. Uh, for example, one of my Holy Grails would be the, <laughs> people are going to laugh at some of these, but I don't care. Um, the Weebles Haunted House. I had the Weebles haunted house when I was a child. Um, look it up if you've if you've never seen it before. It came out right around I think like 1975, something like that. So I got it when I was basically a, a preschooler, and it was just so cool. Like it just looked like the classic Scooby Doo looking haunted house, and it came with Weebles. You know, you folks, I'm sure know. Most of you, hopefully, know what a Weeble is. The Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. I actually have them here, um, or at least I did. I might have put them away. I, I've had Weebles hanging around with me. Yeah, I don't know if I have any back there right now, but Weebles haunted house that would definitely be one. It's very hard to get complete and in good shape, especially with the box. Um, a lot of my holy grails are that are there. There's stuff from my really early childhood that I don't own because they're just they're hard to get complete and they're hard to find with the box and stuff. So it'd be like Weevil's Haunted House, the Fisher Price Castle um, from the Little People set. If anybody knows, remembers the castle, that thing was so cool. Came with a dragon and a knight and a carriage and it had trapdoors and a dungeon and a drawbridge. It was super cool. That's another one. Um, the uh, the Navarone uh, playset from Marks. That's another one that I've come really close to attaining again. Uh, but I actually never owned it. My buddy David, who I've talked about on this show many times, my buddy David owned the Navarone playset, uh, which was like a really cool mountain. It was about uh, you know, I don't know how big it was, probably about 18, 22 inches tall. And you played with little plastic army men with it and everything. And oh, gosh, just so much fun. Those are good examples of it. Uh, getting into like later stuff, it would probably be 
there's still more Shogun Warriors that I need. Uh, I've got a couple of Shogun Warriors, like Mazinga and Radine and stuff, but I'd love to get Godzilla again. If anybody remembers Godzilla, he had the, that fist that launched off his arm, which made no sense whatsoever, because <laughs> Godzilla never did that. But uh, I used to have that as a kid, so that's another one that's a Holy Grail. Gosh, I'm trying to think if there's any other Holy Grails that I really, really want. Um yeah, it's a tough one. I could, if I think of something else, I'll throw it out there later. Um, as far as what my most prized toy that I own is, man, that's like asking somebody what, what their favorite child is, you know. Although there's probably some of you out there that can actually answer that, even though if you, you may not admit it in public. Um, again, it's, I, I've got several, you know. Uh, I have the Star Wars Death Star playset. I think I have that. Back here somewhere. I think it's buried right now. Uh, I've got the Star Wars Death Star playset from 1978-79. I've got that in the box, so that's that's one that I cherish. Uh, my Mego Thor figure I cherish because I have sentimental value for that. But having to do with a story, my my old, uh, unfortunately passed on best friend Jerry. Uh, that was a figure that he and I searched for for years. We could never find the Mego Thor, and then like a, a year, maybe not even a year after Jerry passed, I actually found a Mego Thor complete for the most ridiculously cheap price. Like, there's no way this should have been that cheap. So I, you know, you could call it silly, you could call it superstitious, whatever. I kind of feel like Jerry guided me to that figure and found that for me. You know, that was like his little parting gift you could say so i have a lot of um sentimental attachment to my thor yeah my vintage star wars figures that i have um you know i yeah they're all of it all of my stuff is means a lot to me so um you know i try to take care of my stuff i cherish my stuff but you know understand i'm not one of these pathetic guys like you see on like like the comic book store guy or something on the simpsons that's like don't touch my stuff there's it's their things you know i mean i'm not i'm not one of these wacko collector guys like you see online that gets way too worked up about this stuff i take it all very much in stride they're just fun hobby toy things to have you know and they mean a lot to me but i yeah i don't get too worked up about them so anyway that's the best I can answer that question. Uh, do we? I think we have questions coming in already. Alex asked, "Any toys from recent years that really make you go, holy crap? Wish I had that as a kid." Um, yeah. Oh man, there's there's quite a few of that. There's some really cool stuff. One of the things that first thing that jumps out in my mind was a toy that I picked up. I think last year or back in 2020, maybe recently. Uh, Playmobil of all things, started coming out with Ghostbuster toys. You may may or may not have seen them. Uh, and I think I might have even talked about them a little bit on the show before. But Playmobil came out with a really cool Ghostbusters uh, firehouse, uh, fire station playset. And it comes with the figures, and it, it it's really detailed. It is fantastic, man. And, you know, I know there were Ghostbuster toys in the 80s. By the time that came out, I was out of toys. I really wasn't 
into toys anymore at that point. And the Ghostbuster toys from the 80s, I have some of that stuff now, are really cool. But man, these these Playmobil ones that they came out with are just so much fun. Like, honestly, even as a grown-ass man, <laughs> I want to open it up and play with it and set it up because it's just so neat. It's so well done. Um, that's the first one that comes to mind. There's been a lot of really cool um, Migos because as I've talked plenty about before, I'm a Mego collector and Mego came back in 2019 as a company, started making figures again. And there's a bunch of Mego figures that have been coming out in the last few years that are fantasy fulfillment figures you know there's like really cool um hammer horror monster figures that were never made back in the day that i would have loved as a kid and um uh you know more star trek aliens and stuff that they never made that they're making now um yeah there's there's lots of really cool stuff that i really wish they would have made when i was a kid especially some of the lego sets that they have now because i loved legos as a kid but but all the stuff they had when I was younger was kind of like your typical, more generic sort of Lego sets. Now, you know, you can make, you know, Star Wars and all that kind of stuff. Like they make these really elaborate Lego sets. That's the kind of stuff, man, I would have just loved to have those when I was a little kid. So, yeah, I feel like that uh, that pretty much pretty much covers it you know like there's there's always like really cool stuff coming out i mean that's part of the joy of being an adult toy collector is that not only buying the old stuff and the retro stuff that reminds you of things you had as a child or whatever but seeing the new stuff um and going gosh i you know i i want to play with that now <laughs> i don't really play with my toys uh too much although don't tempt me because lately i've been kind of bored and going i think i'm just gonna open some of these up and play with them because why the hell not it's my life it's too short but yeah seeing comments uh carl or, or carrie b says uh carrie b says kids these days get the coolest legos wish i had that option too yeah exactly um I, Man, I, the things that the kids get nowadays are so complex. I I don't necessarily need everything to be that complex, even as a kid. You know, there were cool, really complex toys and stuff as a kid. And I, sometimes I would just gravitate towards the simple Fisher-Price stuff and everything. But it would have been nice to have that option for sure. Luke mentioned his Star Trek collection. Yep, was, yeah. He's got a he's got an incredible Star Trek collection. He's got almost every uh, figure and weapon and toy and playset that Playmates put out for the next gen figures and next gen Deep Space Nine Voyager. He collected from what was it? It was like ninety two through almost the end of the nineties. He has almost every figure, man. Joe says WWE collection from the nineteen eighties. Yep, 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 yeah. Oh, I love those WWE figures, man. Back when it was WWF. I loved all those in the AWA figures. They, they're they great. Yeah. Anyway, all right. I'm going to move on and address some of these other questions that I already have from uh, viewers from other times. Let me see what we have. Uh, let's see. Uh, we'll go with, I think we'll go with this one. Got a question. Pretty sure Jeep asked me this one. Um, loose or in the original package, which do you prefer? Uh, 
Honestly, that's not an easy question. I, I generally prefer to get them in the package when I can. I'd, I'd rather get things in the package and then if I want to open it, I'll open it. You know, I'll, I, I like having the option. There's some toys that I don't care so much about collecting in the package. Like, for example, the aforementioned Fisher-Price toys like uh, Little People, Adventure People, stuff like that. I don't really have a nostalgic collection to their packaging too much. And the Adventure People packaging was pretty, pretty generic. You know, it was fine, but it's not something that like necessarily looks beautiful on my shelf. You know what I mean? I, I'm fine with just getting the actual toys and, uh, you know, setting them up on my shelves and displaying them diorama style. I don't need those in packages, but... When it comes to a lot of my action figures and stuff, yeah, I prefer getting them in the package, whether it's modern or vintage. And I know there's a lot of people, it's a big debate in the um, toy community. There's a lot of debate that goes on regarding collectors being too hung up on packaging and packaging condition and stuff. And I get that. I, you know, a lot of collectors sit there and say toys are meant to be open and they're meant to be played with or they're meant to be displayed, whatever. Oh, OK, I like I get that to each their own. But the thing is, is like for me, a lot of my um, positive memories of toys isn't just around the toy itself. It's around the packaging as well. I mean, so much of my nostalgia is about walking into a store and seeing that toy in that box or on that card or whatever. And the cool artwork, because especially back in the 70s and 80s, man, even in the, even in the 90s, they they had great box art and great designing. Uh, the new packages for toys nowadays, I, for a lot of the modern toys, with a few exceptions, they're okay. But that old stuff is great. And that's why so many of us love things like... Star Trek or Star Wars, the vintage collection figures, the TVC figures. I mean, let's face it. So much of that is we're buying those figures because of that card that it's on, because it looks like a vintage card from 1980 or whatever. So I think packaging is important and, uh, you know, but it depends. It depends on the toy. I'm good with loose toys, especially if it's like ridiculously expensive to get packaged. You know, if I, I really want, say I really want, I don't know, um, a Star Wars droid factory playset from 1979. I mean, if I could get a really minty one that's not in the box and I can get it for 50 bucks or something, and my next option is to get a boxed one and it's going to cost me 400 bucks, odds are I'm going to go for the $50 loose one because I'm, I'm good with that. But if I have the option to get it in a box, I'll get it in the box. And then if I feel like opening it later, I'll open it later. It just just depends i like having the option uh we got a lot of chat going on in here uh joe even now i have the wwe retro elite series and i miss my awa figures yeah and those are getting those awa figures are getting pricey on the aftermarket too i've got a couple of buddies that collect those and they're they're not cheap man and especially finding because wrestling figures they got beat up you know i mean those things were pretty sturdy but but kids were rough on those things that's what they were made for so finding them in like good especially minty, you know, mint kind of condition. Good luck with that. Collectors need to figure out when to make those toys breathe. <laughs> well, it depends. You know, I, I, I agree with that, Joe. You know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, I think 
a lot of times. I think there are toys that are just meant to be opened. And um, I think a lot of modern toys tend to be marketed in that way and and uh, and put out there in that way where I don't think the the new packaging for a lot of toys is like like I don't for example like let's look at something like Marvel Legends figures right the figures are fantastic the packaging is okay there's nothing about the packaging that makes me go oh that's a gorgeous package it's just okay I mean it's a big window box it's serviceable but the real allure of that is a figure so buying Marvel Legends and opening them up posing them especially since they're pretty hyper articulate and stuff absolutely but again when talking about things like the star wars vintage collection stuff like that well to me the the package is just as important to me as the figure itself and um so it all depends on the toy uh let's see carrie b says as much as i would love it package my loose batman as an Arkham prisoner, is one of my favorite toys. We'll even open some Funkos if they're cheap and know I'll save another way. Either way, yeah. You know, it's Funko is a good example of that. I, I love Funko pop figures. Um, I keep them in the box most of the time, you know, for it's more convenient in terms of storage and stuff like that. But Funkos are the kind of things that, yeah, I got no problem opening them up and displaying them because I think they look better displayed um, out of the box personally, but of course that's going to affect it in terms of resale value. I'm not a resale value collector generally. I'm not saying I've never bought anything with resale potential in mind, but generally I'm not a resale guy. I haven't sold a toy in years. I used to own a collectible store 20 plus years ago I did that whole thing. It had its ups and downs. We might talk a little bit more about that as we go on here. Uh, Joe says, I have a few of the McFarlane DC figures. I will never, ever make them breathe. Yeah, it, 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 it depends. You know, that's what I said. Perfect example. You just never know. It all depends. Do what you want with your toys. If they're, if they're meant to be in the package, leave them in the package. If they're meant to be played with or displayed openly and posed, man, do it. You know? It's it's all up to you. These are your toys. All right, moving on. When did you start collecting and what was the first toy line you collected? Yeah, I'd love to hear the answers from you guys in the chat, too, about this, you know, because it's fun comparing when everybody started collecting and stuff like that and what you're what what lured you into it. I'll try to make this as quick as possible. Uh, I as a kid, I stopped being into toys right around 1984. Um, at that point I was in like sixth grade, seventh grade, something somewhere around. I was in junior high. I know that in 1984 and I was just, I still thought toys were kind of cool, but I, I, you know, I couldn't be bothered with buying toys. I certainly really wasn't playing with them anymore. And by that point I was buying guitars and rock and metal records and t-shirts and going to concerts and all that business. So from 1984 up until like late 1989 toys were just kind of a void for me i never went to a toy store unless i was going to buy a present for a you know family member or something like that for christmas and that's actually how i got back into toy collecting in the christmas of 1989 you know november december 1989 my mom and i went to south lake mall and we went to a kb toys it was the first time i'd been there in years 
and we were buying presents for one of my cousins. Could have even been my cousin John that's in the chat right now. <laughs> Might have been buying some for you, John, because you were, you were still probably into toys at that point. And um, I, I happened to walk down the action figure aisle, and I saw a bunch of DC superheroes that were put out by a company called Toy Biz, and they were the three and three quarter inch figures. And they were basically more or less like reproductions, reusing the same look and everything from the Kenner Superpowers line that came out in the mid 80s. But here's the thing. I missed the Kenner Superpowers line. I'm fully aware of them now. Think they're great now, but I did not buy those or play with them or collect them. I missed Superpowers entirely. So I ended up... um, really being infatuated with these DC superheroes that I saw on the shelves because they had characters that I never had as a little kid. They had Hawkman, Green Lantern, you know, uh, uh, they, they had some other cool ones like Aquaman, Lex Luthor, like they just all these really cool characters that I was blown away. And I mentioned it to my mom. I was like, those are so freaking cool. And I bought a Hawkman figure because I was like, uh, that was one of my dream figures as a kid. I always wished they'd made a Hawkman Mego figure and they never did. So I bought the Hawkman. Well, that Christmas, mom just kind of like is a little fun gift kind of thing. I don't think she figured I was going to be super excited about it. But she bought me a bunch of those figures, threw them in a box, wrapped it, you know, and got me got me Green Lantern and whoever else was in that assortment, you know. Riddler, Lex Luthor, Robin, etc., etc., and I opened them on Christmas, and I, man, it was cool because it was like it was like even though I was still technically a kid because I was like finishing high school, you know, I was in my, I was like you know eight turning eighteen years old or something. Um, even though I was still technically a kid, it felt like old Christmas, you know, like I was already getting nostalgic at that point, and I just fell in love with those figures, and then, of course, from there, I was like, well, I want to get the rest of them, which whichever ones she didn't get for me, so then I started going out trying to find the rest of those DC figures, then, very shortly around after that, around that time, Toy Biz started coming out with the Marvel superhero figures, where they had Spider-Man and Captain America and the Punisher and all that, and then I was like, oh, shit, because I'm an even bigger Marvel fan, I had to buy those, then shortly after that, they started coming out with the X X-Men figures, that first wave of X-Men figures. I was way into X-Men. I mean, and at this point, it's 1990, 1991. And I was pretty much, you know, hooked. But at that point, I was buying all new figures. I was buying all new stuff that was coming out. And then I walked into a toy, uh, a comic book store and I saw a carded Mego Spider-Man on the shelf that they were selling and I bought that for myself for my birthday in January of 1991. And at the same time, the guy at the comic book store said, hey, if you're into vintage toys, you should buy this toy shop uh, magazine newspaper thing because it's all ads of people buying and selling and trading vintage toys and modern toys. And from that moment, all of this shit <laughs> just it, I was doomed. I was doomed. I didn't even know. Even when I first started collecting the Toy Biz figures in 89 and 90, I didn't know that toy collecting was a thing. You know, I thought it was just something I was some quirk of mine. I did not realize that it was already like a pretty full fledged hobby. 
Um, nowhere near as big as it is now, but it was still there. So once I got that Mego Spider-Man and I got that issue of Toy Shop and I saw that I could start ordering old toys again. Ooh, yeah. So that was uh, that was it for me. Okay, getting back to the chat real quick. Uh, Joe said Funkos, depending on the type, could be displayed properly. For example, the Nosferatu Funko from a few years ago will never ever see the light of day outside. Yeah, I, yeah, I get that. When he was five years old, He-Man, and then WWF. I had the Joker Toy Biz figure. Yep, I remember that one very well. And Bob the Goon from the... Yeah, exactly. That's right. And that was the other thing, too, because, see, when the Batman Tim Burton movie came out in 89... That sort of reignited um, my fascination. I mean, I was still into comic books and stuff to a degree all through high school. Not not hardcore, but I was still reading occasionally. But the Tim Burton movie came out and that sort of like really reignited my interest in comics and superheroes. And then I saw they came out with the, the just a few figures that Toy Biz did. They weren't they weren't. Was, that Batman movie wasn't the greatest line of figures I've ever seen. Um, it definitely got better when the line got picked up by Kenner the following year. But still, it was enough to lure me in. So, yeah, good call on that. That silly Bob the Goon figure. <laughs> Alex says, slight aside, the actor playing Hawkman and Black Adam looks fantastic. I, I, I am so out of it when it comes to all the DC Universe um, shows. I've never watched Supergirl. I've, I've, I've man, I'm... I am so out of it. It's one of those things where one of these days I'm going to do this massive just like binge of all that DC uh, stuff because I've seen little bits and pieces of it and I know that a lot of it is fantastic. I just don't I just don't have the time right now. Uh, John Forst says for collecting sake, it was starting lineups. Oh, I remember that very well. You and your brother and your dad. Yeah. When I had my store, you guys came in and were looking for starting lineups. I was always looking out for those starting lineups for you. And did you hear, by the way, John, did you hear that they just announced Hasbro just announced that starting lineups, they are revamping and restarting that series again they're going to do new starting lineups and a lot of people are really excited about that i'm very very curious to check that out so uh later the simpson toy figures yeah those got really popular i have a couple of them but uh those those were really popular carrie said she started collecting beanie babies oh yeah i've got a bunch of beanie babies as well i've got a whole box of them i i was never like really good at collecting beanie babies like in terms of knowing which ones were like hot and which ones weren't i just kind of bought the ones i thought looked cool or looked cute um but i've got a bunch of them uh super collector boyfriend joe yeah okay has turned me into a more serious collector yeah it, it happens it spreads you can ask <laughs> you can ask jess you can ask meg I, I i i have a tendency to make other people want to collect more and then they get mad at me because they're like why am i spending all this money on this stuff right she's giving me looks right now uh, John Force says he probably had almost every He-Man made. Yeah, I, I I remember playing with your He-Man figures with you over at Nanny's house, you know. And you always you had all the stuff. You had Castle Grayskull. You had really cool stuff. Yeah, I admittedly because when I was a little old, like that time in the mid '80s, when I was too old to be playing with toys, I did get a kick out of coming over. Uh, on the weekend with all the relatives and getting to sit down on the floor and play with you and your toys a little bit and stuff. You know, I was getting to live vicariously through you. <laughs> Joe, the 1991, uh, the WCW figures from Gloob, I remember those. 
95, 98 WWF jacks. I have a bunch of the WWF jacks figures. Um, yeah, those uh, some of those were really great. Uh, original San Francisco toy maker. Yeah, oh yeah, the San Francisco ones, the WCW ones. They look, yeah, they did. They look like the WWF LGN figures. I I have some of those too. I remember what a big deal it was when they came out with the giant figure and that because like there was no giant, uh, you know, pre Big Show giant. Uh, only had one Kenner Batman figure. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, John, you just yeah, good. Yeah, you'll have to let you'll have to let your dad and Jamie know about uh, those starting lineups. So I get more info about it and they start releasing like uh, pictures. I will do a toy attic episode where I talk about that. I haven't done a toy news episode in a while, so it's like long overdue, you know. So. All right. Moving on to the next question. Let's see what we have. Uh, do you think retro toys are outselling modern? Um. That's another one where it kind of depends on the the particular market you're aiming for and you're specifically referring to. I think when it comes to younger buyers, when it's coming to like kids that are maybe like tween age and younger, no, I don't think the retro toys necessarily are that big of a deal. I think they're much more interested in the in the modern stuff, whether it's the modern girls stuff um you know they're well i guess it's not just for girls but you know what i mean those those lines that tend to be more geared towards that um you know because they've got i don't even remember i don't even know i'm so out of it with a lot of that now uh those toy lines that are out with that i remember like lol secrets and all those kind of things that were coming out i i, I definitely think when it comes to younger uh, fans of those kind of toy lines, I think they they tend to go more modern than retro. I think, especially yeah, with the things like Barbie and Strawberry Shortcake. Although, that being said, it seems like Strawberry Shortcake and Care Bears, and a lot of that still holds weight. I think with both, uh, with any of these toys, I think it kind of depends on what you're talking about, retro or modern. Or if you're talking about retro design versus modern design or are you talking about a retro product line like like because for example i know loads of uh younger kids that just absolutely love transformers they're 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 fanatic about transformers and they're not buying the g1 transformers they're buying like the new stuff, Siege and 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 the Studio Series and all that kind of stuff. They're 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 into that, so they like the modern versions of it. But I mean, Transformers is a is a toy line technically from our childhood. It's from the early '80s, so <laughs> it depends. I think when it comes to older collectors like that are around my age or a little younger and stuff i think we lately are probably buying much more of the retro toys because all you got to do is walk into any store walk into target and everything is a retro toy it's retro masters of the universe retro star wars figures you know like the ones they just came out with for the mandalorian that are done in the old retro style um you know, the retro style, uh, the G.I. Joes, you know, they're they're coming out with those again. And every, so it's definitely popular, but I think it's going to depend on the demographic. So for older collectors, yeah, I think retro is more popular for younger collectors, for teens and younger and stuff. No, I, I think the modern is still more their 
still more their thing, which isn't to say there isn't any younger collectors that are into retro stuff, but just from what I've seen, I think they generally care more about the more modern designs of everything. Um, so what do we got? Uh, Joe says, I would think the retro design is making a comeback. No, it's definitely, I mean, it's, it's really popular. The retro stuff is really popular. I'm just not sure that it's really catching on as hardcore with the younger audience. I think it's really more made to, uh, entice the middle aged people, (laughs) you know what I mean? Because we have the nostalgic nostalgia towards that retro design. Super seven. Yeah. Super seven is, I mean, that's, that's all, that's all super retro, you know, it's, it's really cool. And what's great about super seven is that they, they don't just do retro. I mean, they tried to do like some cool new concepts and stuff too. Like they're just, they're just all across the board. I know people complain sometimes about super seven and their prices and stuff, but overall, I think it's worth it. Even, even the five points of articulation stuff, when, when you think about what you're getting and, you know, a lot of these, uh, again, like fantasy figures, like things that you would fantasize about when we were kids getting and we never got. And now they're making it for us and they make it in those amazing packages, amazing art, especially if you're an in-package collector like me. I could see if you're a loose collector and you're not that into Super 7 because you're it's too expensive and you're just going to open it. I kind of get that. But if you're a package collector like me, oh, man, Super 7 stuff is fabulous. Uh, oh, Alex says, little inside baseball. One of my best friends is an engineer at Hasbro. And every one of the designers and engineers there collects something pre-98. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, the, it's it's collecting that old stuff is what, you know, made them, you know, an engineer at Hasbro. That I get it. So, anyway, moving on. We're on to question number five. I only have a few more of the 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 pre uh pre uh what do you pre-submitted questions so we'll see what this is any new releases that are mass produced that are going to sustain or gain value and are there any older toys that never really took off that are now beginning to gain steam in the collector market yeah that those are two really good questions um in terms of new releases that are mass produced that are going to sustain and gain value, that's a that's that's tough. That's a really hard one to answer because you never know. Um, I think that safe bets would be things that seem like they've already um, spanned generations. Like, say, for example, Star Wars figures. People are going to say I'm biased for saying that. I believe I. I bitch about modern Star Wars stuff all the time in terms of uh, not like certain channels. I, I won't I won't name names if, if people I'm sure out there know who it is that bitches about modern Star Wars all the time. I like modern Star Wars. I obviously collect it, but I, I bitch about it in terms of just that it's it's there's so much of it. It's expensive. It, you know, you can't be a completist at all with modern Star Wars stuff. Uh, so you have to kind of pick and choose your your battles there with what you're going to try to complete. But I think a lot of modern Star Wars stuff, especially when you get into like the vintage collection, um, even some of the Black Series stuff, uh, things like that. I think that those are pretty solid in terms of retaining value uh, just because. Again, you've got so many generations that are collecting it. There are 
eight-year-old kids that are fervently collecting Star Wars, the, the vintage collection toys and black collection toys. But there's also 49-year-old men that are collecting that. And there's 65-year-old men that are collecting it. And 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 it appeals to all I, – I keep I, – forgive me, I keep saying men – people because there are loads of all all men and women all all different kinds of people are collecting star wars it's it's one of those things that crosses ages and genders and all any any kind of uh demographic like it appeals across the board it's just like the beatles it's like you find six-year-old kids that love the beatles and yet there's 76 year old you know overgrown kids that still love the beatles it's one of those things i think things like star wars is a solid investment um uh some of the dc and marvel stuff because again it keeps going on it's it it goes past any kind of age uh gap you know there any age boundary um i don't really collect in terms of value I mean, I've passed up all kinds of toys in the past that probably would have been a really sound investment for resale. But like I mentioned earlier, I'm not buying this stuff for resale. I mean, it's not to say I won't possibly sell it one day, uh, you know, if I have no room for it anymore or no need for it or something happens. I mean, I may sell these toys, but that's not why I collect. I, you know. I think, and we'll get a little bit into more stuff because I know there's another question coming up that has to do with uh, collecting uh, guidelines and stuff. But yeah, I would say the superhero stuff and the Star Wars stuff are pretty sound investments if you're thinking about resale because they keep going on. They've got new fans. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. It's not like uh, investing in spawn figures back in the 90s and unfortunately now i mean it's still around and it's still got a, a fan base and it's kind of come back a little bit but it doesn't have that kind of multi-generational staying power that something like star wars does so that's what i would say for that and as far as older toys that never really took off that are now beginning to gain steam man that's that's tough to say because to a certain degree anything old becomes popular in a way you know what i mean like anything that's old I, there's there's figures that i used to see back in the late 80s early 90s that were in the dollar bin at kb toys that now you go and buy it on the aftermarket and it's going to cost you a 100 bucks or something like that i mean it, to a certain degree anything old is going to have that allure but when i think of the stuff that is really like crazy like holy shit i can't believe how much that costs now i would say a lot of the um knockoff toys we've talked about knockoff toys because i'm always supporting you know brian heiler and uh from plaid stallions and his toy ventures magazine i'm gonna give him a plug again because brian's awesome and his uh publications that he puts out are so fucking entertaining and you know valuable so uh you know a lot of the stuff that he talks about any features are a lot of these toy lines that came out in the late 70s even early 80s that were basically like knockoffs like uh you know the lincoln monsters that came out back in the late 70s and some of the remco stuff and a lot of those things like when those things came out they were considered like dime store toys essentially they were they were they weren't made as good as Mego or as Kenner toys and stuff like that. They they were they were definitely like 
an inferior uh, product in terms of, you know, quality control. And a lot of times they were done, you know, sort of not like the most legal licensing <laughs> was going on there. They were doing a workaround with licensing, you know, so that it didn't look too much like Bella Lugosi or look too much like, you know, Lon Chaney or something like that. And those things back then, I mean, again, yeah, they were looked at as these were discount toys. These were cheap toys that I would get at Ben Franklin, you know, for a buck or two at the most. Those toys are worth so much money now because not too many people kept them. Not too many because, again, nobody thought they were going to be worth a damn. They were just throwaway stuff, really. But a lot of us either have fond memories of it because we bought those toys when we were kids and they were a lot of fun and they remind us of our childhood and um you know monster stuff monster toys and everything have gotten so popular now and you can't find those toys and so there's way more demand than there is supply so that's probably the main one i would say that's probably the biggest one that was like something that was just not a big deal at the time was looked at as cheap and throwaway and now is worth way more than the toys that they were copying because like the Mego monsters, like they're worth money, but they ain't worth as much as those knockoff ones from like Lincoln and, and those other like little companies like that. And AHI toys that were doing these very kind of, you know, sketchy versions of them and stuff. They're wonderful. They're just so hard to get and expensive. So that that's probably the the main one. So if you know anybody that has any of those old monster figures like that from uh, the seventies that's still lurking in their mom's basement or grandma's attic or something like that, you know, get them. You know, to see if you can get them, get them in your hands because they are valuable. Um. Anyway, so moving on. No more questions. I think I've bored you guys to death, but. All right, we got the question number six here from the from the uh, pre-submitted ones. Let's see where are we at. Here we go. How about what suggestions do you have for new collectors, both adult collectors as well as kids who are starting to collect toys? Um, my first suggestion is buy what you like. Collect things that you are really interested in, like collect things that you love having, that you love looking at, that have some sort of emotional value for you. You know what I mean? Something like like, um, you know, for example, just mentioned here in the chat says dying for some more Michael Myers figures and they're ridiculously priced. So there you go. You know, she wants Michael Myers figures and stuff. You know, so buy Michael Myers figures like, yeah, if you're a big fan, you're like, oh, I'm way into horror or something like that. And, you know, then collect horror figures, buy the things you want and don't worry about how much it's going to be worth. OK, like don't worry about the resale. I'm not saying don't care at all about the worth, the value of your toys. Toys end ending up being valuable is a happy side effect of some of this but it's not recommended especially not when you're first getting into collecting it's i don't recommend it because it's a risky venture it's really risky even when buying older toys that are worth money and stuff like that there's there's so many factors involved that can affect 
the value of a toy because these things, they're not gold. It's not platinum. It's not, you know, precious minerals or anything like that or, or freaking gasoline or something like that. These are not things that were ever meant to be um, valuable in an aftermarket kind of way. They just happen to be that way for one reason or another, uh, either because sometimes things got uh, made in smaller numbers or had a shorter shelf life or people didn't think it was that cool when it first came out, but then it got popular later and you know what I mean? And so then everybody wants it and there wasn't enough made kind of like what I was saying about those, those cheap monster figures a minute ago. There's always things that can cause toys to be um, hot. And then, you know, of course we all know that toy companies make toys nowadays specifically to be collectors, limited edition numbered collectors items. And sometimes those are valuable and they retain their value. And a lot of times though, they don't. A lot of times they they just don't. They they they're kind of a flash in the pan. And uh, you know, I, I would suggest you buy whatever makes you happy. That's the first and foremost thing about uh, being a new collector. Don't sit there and worry about like, well, you know, but if I buy this, is it going to be worth this much in a few years? That's not going to bring you happiness. Having stuff that you can look over on your shelf or in your closet or in your walls or wherever you put your your collection, having stuff that you can walk in the room and look at and it's going to put a smile on your face and go like, man, that that stuff's so cool. Like, I'm so happy I have that. Look how cool that looks, you know. That's why you should collect first and foremost. And then if things end up being worth money, that's just the party bonus. You know, um, that's my main bit of advice for you. And uh, the other p- bit of advice, and we'll because we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute, too, is educate yourself. When I started collecting toys back in the late 80s, early 90s, there there was no way there was no Internet. There really wasn't a whole lot in the way of like publications just yet. They they came out pretty shortly thereafter with Tomarts and Lees and these different companies started making action figure digest and stuff like that. And that was a big help. But at first there really wasn't it was kind of the Wild West, you know, like it was a wilderness. Really wasn't any way to know about things. There was a lot of rumors and a lot of theories and a lot of false information So the best thing to do is educate yourself on toys because it's easy to find it. Watching channels like mine, you know, I'm sorry I'm beating my own chest here, but that's what I'm here for is watching channels like mine. And there's much, much, much better shows out there on YouTube that will explain things to you and people that can answer things. Um, A lot of times if you see a toy that's supposed to be really rare and you see somebody that's selling it for a ridiculously cheap price and it seems like it's too good to be true, it's probably because it, it, it is because it's it's not legit. You know, there's a lot of reproductions and um, and people that are trying to rip you off out there and stuff. So educate yourself on what you're collecting so that you don't make costly mistakes. Um you know, even if you're not collecting to make money, you also don't want to lose money on this stuff. You don't want to go and spend a ton of money on something that you find out you basically got ripped off for. So educate yourself, buy the things that you love and mean the most to you and are going to be a sentimental item for you. That's my 
uh, advice. Yes, Joe just said education and research is the is key. Yeah, exactly. Um, and again, not not even just because you're gonna try to make a mint off of of collecting, but just so you don't get ripped off. Because there are a lot of in any hobby out there. It doesn't matter what you're collecting. It could be baseball cards and Pokemon cards. It could be toys. It could be coins. It could be you know any uh, sports memorabilia. There is just tons of tons of people out there that are really eager to rip you off so educate yourself all of the information you need is free and out there on the internet now spend the time watching videos reading articles you know from trustworthy sources and uh you know that's the other thing and also um ebay don't base value on ebay because I see people do that all the time. People are going, oh, this is worth, you know, hundreds of dollars. And I go, Why, where did you get that from? Well, I saw on eBay. Okay, well, here's the problem with eBay. eBay, there's a, first of all, there's a difference between what people are asking for and what's actually selling on eBay. You might have a toy that there's five guys right now that are all asking $1,000 for, but is anybody buying it? No. Do the search history, go look into sold, you know, the sold completed sales. And then all of a sudden you look and you go, wait a minute, somebody two months ago bought that same item for $200. Yeah, exactly. Um, toys are only worth what people are willing to pay for them. You can have something that could be the rarest toy on the planet, but if nobody's willing to pay the price you're asking for it, then is it really worth that much? So again, yeah, it's all all education here so that's uh yeah that's a good um good bit of info to have let's see okay <laughs> i know where this these questions came from i had to include this because it just made me laugh this is from my buddy colin he says if you owned a toy company what toy or toys would you reproduce other than the micronauts <laughs> And what is the greatest collectible and why is it the Micronauts? <laughs> because Colin, much like me, is a big fan of the Micronauts, man. Micronauts are so great. I've got Micronauts here behind me again somewhere. They're buried in the, you know, I've got, I've got toy. What you see behind me is literally like one, what, one one hundredth of what I have maybe. <laughs> maybe it's probably not even, not even that much, you know, it's probably... I have a lot of toys. Um, these are just ones that I threw up there and said, yeah, those will look good. Um, <laughs> I love Micronauts. I, they've tried relaunching Micronauts on a couple of occasions. It just, man, that toy line is just so doomed. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, even the Micronauts themselves was a, when it came out in the mid seventies was a relaunch of Japanese, you know, uh, micro men from, I think Takara, which I have some of those as well. Um, so if I owned a toy company, what toys would I reproduce? So you're meaning an old toy line. Uh, I would love to bring back Shogun Warriors. Now, I realize that Shogun Warriors in some form or another have been produced over the years. And we've even had... Um, We've even had like new things like there was that Skeletor that came out and there was a Boba Fett and a Stormtrooper that came out. These came out in Japan and they were basically modeled and made to look just like the 24 inch uh, Shogun Warriors. 
the ones obviously I grew up with were not the Japanese ones. They were the American, you know, uh, adaptation of them that Mattel put out in 1977. But those are the ones I would probably reproduce. And I'd be down for, you know, altering them slightly in order to, you know, prevent people from freaking out that they're two exact reproductions of the originals, you know, and screwing with the original value and all that kind of business. Um, I think, you know, you could change some of the, there's certain paint things you could change, different things you could do to them to make them more modern. But yeah, I mean, if a company like Hasbro or somebody could get the rights to those and reproduce the 24 inch Shogun Warrior figures, uh, all of them, the original three Great Mazinga, uh, Raiding and um, Dragon and even like Guy King and stuff like that. If they would, if they could redo those, if I could make have a company, I would probably go for that as well as the little like five inch ones, the diecast ones. I didn't care about those diecast ones that much when I was a kid because I, I just wanted the big, the big ass ones, right? Now, as an adult, those little diecast ones they came out with, oh man, I want those so bad. Those are beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I love those. So, yeah, that would be my number one choice for reproducing. And uh, my second thing, if I could reproduce, I guess this is, I don't know. I guess it's kind of silly because we've got, there are other companies that do similar things, but I would love to bring back like the adventure people, even if it was done. You know, Fisher Price in the recent years, they came out with a bunch of repro toys some of you may have seen them they came out in like old brown uh packaging again i had those around here of course everything i'm talking about i don't have up anymore this is what i get for moving everything but like you remember like the little rolly telephone thing like you've seen in uh toy toy show or toy story yeah uh the movie toy story and stuff the little the little rotary chatter telephone guy and stuff they re-released that they re-released the the speak and speak uh, speak and say kind of thing is he up there oh yeah there's my chatter telephone he's right up here um but things like that i i they've you know fisher price did a whole bunch of like repro stuff and they've reproduced stuff like light bright and rock'em sock'em robots and all that kind of stuff. I would love if Fisher Price would bring back just a couple of the Adventure People play sets. You know, maybe like the Safari one with all the animals and the Jeep and all that. And that might be a little eh, that might be a little controversial now. I know how people feel about Safari stuff. If they yeah, they could even change it to make it a little bit more correct. But they had things like they had things like that, and they had the deep sea dive one with the boat and the dolphin and all that stuff. If they did a couple of those, oh my God, you will just see Larry lose his ever loving mind. I I would be first in line to buy those at the store, um, because God, I love Fisher Price Adventure People. Those were some of the most fun toys to play with as a kid. Ever, I have. Even even more than Star Wars and stuff, I have the most fond memories of playing with those Fisher Price Adventure people. So, yeah, that's what I would pick if I could, you know, make a company and sidle up to Fisher Price and be like, hey, let's make some let's make some, you know, retro style uh, adventure people sets. Now, I know there's other like companies that uh, that they that have put out like toys that are similar to that and everything like that have like helicopters and, and play sets and all that kind of stuff that are very similar to adventure people. But 
it's still not quite the same. I've got, hang on, I've got one right here. Like, I'm sure some of you, hang on while I adjust this. I'm sure some of you have seen things like this. Like, I went and I bought this, and for those that can't see, what I'm holding up is I'm holding up this 68-piece uh, uh, Rescue Team City Fire play set. And this is very similar. It's a modern version, but it's very similar to what those Adventure Team uh, play sets were like. This is just much bigger, much more elaborate. It's got sounds and action features and stuff. Um, I love stuff like this. That's why I bought it. I, <laughs> I am going to... Yeah, there you go. See, it actually, actually makes noises and stuff, and the characters talk. It's great. I couldn't help. I found this. This was on like closeout. Uh, I got this like super cheap and uh, I had to buy it because I was like, that is exactly like the kind of toys that I'm talking about. The adventure people stuff. I'm glad they still make stuff like this. I, I really for those of you that have kids buy your kids this stuff. You know, I know they all want like the name brand things and I'm not saying don't get that. I wanted name brand stuff when I was a kid, too. I wanted my Star Wars and DC and all that kind of stuff. But this stuff is so much fun so much fun the kid will be kids will be really happy to play with that stuff even if they think they won't you watch you, you know so anyway um yeah so that's that's probably what i would do and what is the greatest collectible and why is it micronauts he asked well besides micronauts greatest collectible oh come on man i can't pick that obviously i love star wars i love Migos, I love. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. That's that's a tough call. Again, to the adventure people. I mean, it's it's adventure people's got to be in my top five. I mean, it's so, and it's hard to collect that and get that complete because there were so many pieces. I'm trying to collect it in the box, forget about it. Oh man, that's super hard. All right, so we're to the last question here. I know this is going kind of long, but. Um, Oh, and this one. Okay, this is, yeah, this is, I saved this for last because this is a little bit of a controversial topic. Um, it, the question was, what's your opinion on reproductions, and do you think they hurt the collecting hobby? Okay, so that's not an easy one to answer. Um, I th Again, I think it kind of, it depends on the way you're looking at it. Can reproductions hurt the collecting hobby in terms of aftermarket value? On the real thing yeah I think it can happen absolutely um, I think it does happen I think anytime they do a close reproduction of something vintage it's gonna affect the uh, desirability of that vintage item to some degree I don't think it's going to affect it to quite the degree that a lot of people think it's going to affect it though because here's what I mean I, I think the people that are willing to pay big money for things like let's say for example the big money star wars collector guys right the guys that have tens of thousands of dollars worth of star wars toys vintage stuff they've got their they're they're on top of it and they know specifically which gun not only which gun but like 
they can tell just by like the hue of the plastic whether or not this gun came with a Boba Fett that was released in 1979 versus the Boba Fett that came out in 1983. Even though it's the same figure, but we know that over time, the the type of plastic they used for that gun changed slightly, and so this one's blue and this one's black, and you know that's not the right gun for that. Like I see that stuff all the time, and people get really into that shit. Um, I think those guys, um, I think like when they come out with like the retro collection Star Wars figures and stuff, I don't think it's going to change how much they're going to be willing to pay for the real deal. I think those guys want the real deal, period. Um, I think like the reproduction stuff is really meant to be for more casual collectors. Now, when we start talking about repro things, like, for example, what I was just talking about when people start making reproductions of those rare weapons, quote unquote, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I get that. That gets really tricky because um, a lot of people sit there and say, well, I don't want a reproduction. I want all 100 percent original. And I get that, but I think that. As time is going on here, here, here's the thing. I'm not going to sit here. It's not my place to judge what's right and what's wrong. What I'm going to tell you is something that I feel is a hard, cold fact. <laughs> As time is going on, reproducing items like these toys, um, uh, reproduction, reproducing these items is going to get easier and easier and easier. Um the average Joe can have a 3D printer in their house, uh, getting their hands on the stuff they need, being having a computer and being able to just really exactly reprodu reproduce things, whether it's an action figure, a Star Wars, you know, little weapon, it's a it's a vinyl Jawa cape, all those kind of things. As time is going on, it's getting easier and easier for people to reproduce those and it's getting harder and harder to tell the difference now there are a lot of people who make reproduction items whether they make reproduction figures they make reproduction weapons vinyl capes all that kind of stuff and they make it in a way that is intentionally um identifiable as a repro because they're not trying to rip anybody off they're not trying to scam anybody they're just trying to provide it because the truth of the matter is, is there's, you know, a vinyl cape Jawa figure is extremely rare and there's only a very few of them in existence in the world. But there is thousands of people who would like to own one. Now, of course, everybody would like to own the original real deal, but most of us, we're never going to be able to get it. And even if we find one, we won't be able to afford it. So most of us are like, you know what? I just want one to put on my shelf because it looks cool. I know it's not the real deal, but it looks really cool. It's a cool facsimile. You know, it's like somebody loving a Monet painting and they go and they get a, a print done of it because nobody's going to, you know, the average only one person in the world is going to be able to own that actual real painting, you know. So it's not quite the same thing, but it's on the same tip, you know. Um, I think when they make reproduction things like that here, for example, hang on a sec. Like, here's something I bought. This was a, I think this was a Stan Solo Creations thing. So, here is a blue Snaggletooth. Now, anybody that knows about collecting Star Wars figures knows that 
Blue Snaggletooth came with the Sears exclusive Cantina Adventure playset in 1978. He only came in that playset. He's very hard to get, and a regular, you know, Blue Snaggletooth goes for hundreds of dollars on average. Okay. He also never came on a card like this. Uh, he never came packaged. He was just in a little sealed, clear, generic baggie in a box. That was it. Um, so what I have here in my hand is a complete reproduction. And, and it's a custom item because the card is custom. This card never existed. They took a red Snaggletooth one. They made it blue. This never existed. If anybody says to you they saw this on the shelves like this back when they were a kid, their their memory is failing them because this never existed like this. Um, the figure itself is a reproduction. It's from Stan Solo Creations. Um, so there's a lot of people that hate this. They think that this is garbage, which I get it. I, I understand that. But the truth of the matter is, is that uh, there's... There's a lot of identifying factors on this that if you've done, like we talked about earlier, the aforementioned education that you need to do if you're going to be spending big money. If you've done the education, you would walk into a place. If this was in a collectible store or an antique mall, you should be able to walk in and immediately know this is not the real deal. This is a facsimile. It's a custom item. Okay. Uh, it says on the back of the card, if you look at it, it says, yeah, Smith Lord Creations. It says, you know, reproduction item. If you look on the back of the figure, there is identifying marks molded into the figure, identifying it that it is not the original Blue Snaggletooth. Um, I can't afford a Blue Snaggletooth. I had him when I was a kid, and he, I loved him, loved that figure. Unfortunately, he was lost in the 80s, and I cannot afford one now. I've been looking for one for years, and they go for hundreds of dollars. I can't justify that. So I got this, and like I said, I, I feel no shame about this because anybody that knows anything about these toys, if you know it, you know what this is. Nobody's going to be ripped off by this. Nobody, and, and so my point is if you go out and you spend hundreds of dollars on something like this and then you find out later, oh, man, it's not the real deal, it's your fault. Sorry, it, it is because the information is out there. It's all out there. Let me say, like, um... I was just mentioned in the chat. It's it is like reproduction on vinyl records, with the exception of a few. I do not collect reproductions on anything. I even even touch the retro He-Man. Too much articulation. Well, yeah, okay, that's a personal, uh, that's a personal uh, uh, choice there and everything. Um, because there's repros and then there's retro and there's there's some fine lines, but those new He-Man figures are not the ones that came out from Super Seven back in the uh, back like about four years ago. Something like that. Those were pretty much repros like they did some very slight changes. And that's a perfect example. You want to make a repro of something, but add some changes just like you did with the, the like they did with this blue snaggletooth. Add some changes there that anybody that knows a bit about collecting will be able to look at it and go, oh, that's not an original from 1982 or whatever. I can tell that that's that's slightly different. That's that's got to be a, a, a repro. I'm all for that. I think that's great. It's only when the people make the repro stuff with the intention and the sellers that get this stuff with the intention of scamming other people out of their money. And unfortunately, it's always going to happen. And like I said, it's getting easier and easier nowadays to do because it's so, you know, you got to understand, guys, these things were not made to be 
rare and valuable. They just happened that way by happenstance, by different things that happen. So if you're investing in this stuff and you think you're going to get rich off of this, be then I mean, all, you know, more power to you. That's great. But be careful. Just be careful about what you're doing and, uh, you know, educate yourself to prevent yourself from getting ripped off. It's one of the good things about some of these some of these groups that I'm in on on social media. There's there's, you know, just like anywhere else, there's some jerks in there. But there's a lot of good people in these collector groups on social media. Uh, I'm in a bunch of Star Wars ones and Mego ones and all that stuff. And if you go in there and you ask questions first and I get it I've, every day, every day I go in these groups and I see somebody, hey, I saw somebody trying to sell, you know, something like this, like this blue snaggletooth and they only want, you know, a hundred bucks for it. And that seems too good to be true. You know, what do I need to know? And there's people that sit there and tell them, yep, <laughs> that's not the real deal. That's a reproduction. And here's how you determine. Here's how you know. Don't get ripped off. So. That's the thing. I mean, we can sit here and wish all day long and go, well, you know, I wish there was a way to just stop all the people from reproducing hard to find Star Wars figures and weapons and other stuff. And I wish there were just like with the yeah, he's vinyl. I'm a vinyl collector. So, yeah, that happens, too. I wish there was some way to stop people from making counterfeit vinyl, you know, Beatle records and kiss records and all that stuff. There, There's no way. There's no way to stop it, you know. Even things like guitars, there's all these Chinese-made uh, Gibsons and Fenders and all that stuff. They, I, you know, I'm not saying anything bad about China, but I'm just saying that's where they these originate from. These Chinese uh, factories that make these Gibsons. And I mean, this has been going on for years. And there's just even big companies like that. They can't stop them. They just keep making them by the hundreds or thousands every year. They're out there. So all you can do, whether you're a guitar player collector or a vinyl player collector or a toy player collector have to educate yourself because there are telltale signs that you that will you know let you know and uh, once it gets to the point that there are no good telltale signs then you probably need to ask yourself whether or not you should be spending lots and lots of money on this hobby anymore because you you know you might get taken what, what, what do you do then you know, but it, that's why I said buy stuff because you love it and you have fun. That's the first and foremost thing. Buy the things you want. So then at least you're stuck with things that you really like having and you, and you know, and mean something to you. And it's not just about like, well, now the values dropped. Well, values drop and it happens all the time. So what do we say? Uh, all of a sudden it just segued into you guys talking about my hair. I see, huh? <laughs> luxurious hair yeah well i'm i'm hanging on to it for dear life is what it comes down to i have to i have to part it a certain way and and have it a certain way because you know i've got a gigantic forehead is it i've got a really far back dracula style hairline you know that goes way back here um which i hate because i just have this big bulbous head so i cover it with the hair but as i'm getting older it is starting to thin out and so you know I'm just hanging on to it as long as I can. I'm almost 50, so I've done pretty good so far, knock on wood. Um, I guess that's it, man. You know, this was a lot of fun. I hope you guys found some of this entertaining. Uh, for those of you that watch this later or listen to this later, please leave comments. 
Uh, come join us in the Geeking Squad group on Facebook. It's free and easy to join, just as long as you behave yourself and don't act like a dillweed. We'd love to have you there because uh, we talk about all this kind of stuff in there. Um, I would like to thank everybody that joined me uh, in the chat here. Sorry I keep saying, uh, it's driving me nuts too. It's because I'm trying to divide my attention between looking at at the chat <laughs> it's so much easier when i have megan here to just like say to me like so and so said this so that i don't have to keep looking back and forth doing this is really hard on my own boy but anyway but i do thank megan for uh being in the chat and moderating that i'm sorry matt wasn't here i don't know what happened to matt i hope he's okay i was looking forward to him chiming in with his stuff but maybe next time this will not be the last q a this will definitely not be the last uh, geeking toyetic episode. In fact, I have more questions. Colin, my buddy Colin, asked a bunch of really great questions that had to do more. It was a little bit more about my own personal toy collecting history, and I already touched on some of that. I didn't. I didn't want to go totally about me, 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 me. I did enough of that tonight. So I, in the future, I might do another retrospective about toy collecting. That's more from my personal things so i might be saving some of those questions that colin put out there and uh yeah i I welcome more questions coming in from you guys as soon as uh you're start sending them in to me and everything and they pile up i will do another q a it's especially fun i mean i joke about it being difficult dividing my attention between the live chat and everything and my and the pre uh selected questions but this is a lot of fun. I love having you guys here in the chat talking to me. This is like the whole reason that I do this is to have that interaction with all of you. So by all means and spread the word, please, you guys. I love all you guys in the chat. Spread the word. If you have any other friends online or whatever that you're like, hey, I know you like this stuff, like check out Geeking Poetics channel and come join in the conversation. Please, we want more people. We just finally got up to 550. We're really excited about that. We got 550 uh, following us. That's, I know by most standards that is paltry numbers, but it has been a struggle getting people to follow us. So we are super happy to uh, to have everybody here. Oh, we got more more coming in. Uh, thank you for doing a Toyota. Po- oh, happy to do it. Happy to do it. And again, if you have specific topics, I mean, I know you guys like like the Funko stuff. I'm overdue to talk about Funko. Um, I want to do an episode where I pick my favorite Funkos that I own. Um, not, not, I don't want to do like just fun, general Funkos cause there's thousands of them and I, I don't own most of them, but I have, I have a nice little collection of them myself and I would like to pick like maybe like my five favorite out of my collection and talk about why, they're my favorites. So if you're Funko collectors out there and you want to get in on that, let me know because I want to do that soon. Um, yeah, top 10 Funkos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could be a lot of fun. Exactly. Um, there's all kinds of different topics. I would love specific topic ideas for Toyetic from you guys. We have loads of ideas for just geeking poetic in general. Um, we're working on that. We'll be doing a geeking poetic in two weeks. Yeah. Not next, not next week, but I think the week after, uh, Matt will be back here in the studio with Megan and I, and we're going to be doing a new, uh, I think it's a, it's a year in review one, but I'm not going to say what year it is. We haven't revealed that yet. It's going to be a, it's a big year. A lot to talk about. 
So. Uh, any possible MCU multiverse ideas for a podcast? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Well, uh, you know what? We haven't seen Doctor Strange yet. I'm, we still need to see that. We're, we're like getting caught up on stuff and everything. I would love to get into stuff talking about the multiverse. Um, man, so much, so much. Joe says, I need to send you my inventory. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, I will let you guys know um, when I'm going to do the Funko one. I'll, maybe I'll do that next. Maybe that'll be the next uh, the next Toyetic I do in a couple of weeks. If I don't get to do it before I start traveling for um, band stuff, I'll do it as soon as I get back from all my band uh, music traveling stuff I got to do at the end of the month in early June. Maybe we'll plan that. That'll be a good like start of the summer toyetic episode is talk about Funko stuff because there's a lot to talk about. And I know some of you guys out there have it. I know Joe does, you know, definitely. So looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Looking forward to uh, seeing what more people have to say once this is out there and get your feedback. Please leave those comments and join the group. Anyway, I've rambled enough. I'm uh, I'm Larry and I'm out of here. So. I'll see all of you guys very soon. Oh, Megan's over there typing. Are you still in the chat? Is there still people in the chat there? Oh, yeah, there are still people in the chat. Uh, thanks. Yeah, okay. All right. I'm Audi 5000 or whatever it is. <laughs> I'm old. What do I know? All right. See you, everybody. <laughs>